Welcome! Woo! Welcome! <laughs> welcome to the morning. <laughs> what? You were going to say something. Okay, welcome to the Morning Heroes podcast. We're going to edit that out. Mm. We'll see about that. Uh, maybe. This is the More Than Hearers podcast. I'm O'Ryan. I'm here with Peter, as hey, usual. Hey. And we are going to talk Bible, because that's what this show is about, and we don't have any food. Uh, episode 45. Thank you for mouthing that to me. I was looking at the, le- the words 44, letters 44. It'd be odd to write 40-4. I just wrote the numbers. But. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we are in 45, episode... 45. 45 episode 5. 45. 5.45. Forget that I said any of that. Uh, man, it's been a couple weeks. Okay, so uh, one of you noticed that we hadn't published, so I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, we decided to do another one. No, we're still going. We never stopped. What am I saying? Podcast at morethanhearers.com if you'd like to email us. Uh, you can ask us questions. I can ramble and mumble your name. And your question, if you'd like. Uh, I was inviting. That was, was an odd invitation. <laughs> Facebook.com slash more than hearers. Instagram at more than hearers. Uh, tweets. Someday one of you might do this. There it is. Oh. Uh, you can. That was the caca. Caca. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you did the caca. <laughs> uh, I am. At Orion plays music, and Peter is at Mike Tango Hotel. What? I think it's phonetic alphabet. Uh, MTH underscore Peter. Leave us reviews on your podcast app of choice, and you can donate if you like at PayPal through our email address. Once again, podcast at morethanhearers dot com, and uh, we're in the Book of Luke. Is how I usually end the intro. Uh, with the last twenty something, and then uh, I'm told we're doing episode tw- uh, issue. What do we call it? Chapter. Thank you. Chapter twenty two. <laughs> what time is it? <sighs> Welcome to the show. So while you were talking, I was really quick trying to like look up a sound of a bird tweeting. Did you get anything? There's a video on YouTube. Bird tweeting and chirping noises. Ten hours. One hour. Oh, well, one, one hour. hour. Okay. But the video is only 59 minutes and 58 seconds long. I feel wrong. False, false advertising. For sure. All right. I mean, you can round it, but nah, that's not what we paid for. If you're going to sell somebody an hour, yep. you should probably give them an hour. Yep. I had once at a fast food joint someone give me less change than I was owed. She said, because I don't have any more nickels. Five pennies equals a nickel. And I said... Uh, here's whatever the rest of the change was to get like the even amount. I said that, uh, but uh, she looked at me like I was the most petty human being on the planet for actually wanting to get all of my change, wanting all your money back. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. But anyway, I want what I paid for, and I want to pay for what I get. Right at the price both, that we agreed on. Both of those, always, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm fine I'm with it. I'm not trying to give you anything or take anything extra. Yeah. Sure. That's it. How you doing, man? Oh, okay. All right. I, I'm fine. I, I love how we're 45 episodes into this and no two intros are the same. That's good, right? I, you, you like that genuinely or you like that No, I do like it. No, okay. I love it. Phew. I absolutely love it. Okay. 
There was even one episode. I wish I could remember the episode when you did? number when I did the intro. That was the ten. Was it the ten? I think it was ten. It might have. I been ten. It was ten or twenty. We thought it would be novel. It was fun. It was fun. It's one of my favorites. Really? I coached you through it. You did. Yeah, you, did yeah, you did great. Yeah. I, <laughs> we didn't have like Instagram and Facebook and stuff back then, so I didn't have to remember as much stuff as you do now. But uh, you do a great job, and I appreciate you. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, you too. Welcome. All right. At other things, obviously, than the intro. I mean, you did the one. Go ahead. I'm I did one. Talk. You've done 44 intros. I'm going to derail this thing if you let me talk. It's fine. So let's get them. You know, you know that I was talking about. I feel that like you- I'm on coffee or something. Are you? No. Sure. I think I just had a good time hanging out with you before we start recording. Do you need some? Maybe. Will that mellow me out? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Is that how it works? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't I, drink I, coffee. I had a great say. I don't either. But you don't drink it for different reasons. Uh, I think it tastes like butt. What's your reason? I'm allergic to it. Anyway. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's funny. People look at me like I'm insane that I don't drink coffee. Don't email me asking if I actually know what butt tastes like. I, nobody's going <laughs> to. They don't email us about anything else. I know. I'm email safe. about that. Uh, people treat me like I'm an American. Ted's going to email me now. Probably. Sorry. <laughs> Have you ever, people treat you like you're unpatriotic for not drinking coffee? Oh, goodness, sir. You just mentioned unpatriotic. Sorry. And Let's then, okay. Luke chapter 22. Have you looked up patriotism? Uh, not tonight. This is, I feel like this is a good time to share this. Good. Okay, good. Um, we're going to get controversial in this episode. Right now. Well, no, even later. So <laughs> might as well right start now. this way. Um, can I ask you to do this? What? I will, I'm going to cross my arms and then, Peter, would you look up patriotism for me? Yes, I'll just, do it right now. Just do a, an internet search for patriotism. Google patriotism? Yeah, and then would you tell me the synonyms for patriotism without laughing or... Oh, no. <laughs> You're setting me up. Uh, probably. Uh, from the Oxford Dictionary... Uh, I don't need the definition. It doesn't give me c- c- cinnamon. I need cinnamon. It only gives me nationalism. Um, That's a good one. Definition of patriotism by William by by Merriam Webster. Uh, you don't need the definition. No synonyms. Here we go. Synonyms. Click. Um, all it says is nationalism. Visit Look up the, nationalism. Visit the thesaurus for more. This works. Look up nationalism. <gasps> oh no, chauvinism. Yes. Ah, jingoism. You found it. Ah, <laughs> xenophobia. Actually. <laughs> It's uh, no, no. It doesn't give me that one. Some do. Um, it's actually crazy what patriotism really means, but we use it in a way. So this is my. I'm. I'm someone's going to get offended by this. We use the word patriotism in the United States to mean. Correct me if I'm wrong. I support my country. Yes, love of country. Yes. yes. But but if you look up chauvinism, most of us know what chauvinism is. Jingoism, nationalism. These things are a bigoted... Su- they're not good. They're a bigoted support of the thing you already like in an opposition of the other thing that's not part of your group. Yeah, you're gasping at something. I looked up the definition of chauvinism, and, and two of the definitions are particularly expected. Yes. And the one third definition is excessive or blind patriotism. <laughs> yeah. It's, wow. It's really crazy. So since this is a Bible podcast, and we talk about whatever we want, it's our podcast. We sure. We pay the bills you pay the bills but uh with your permission i talk about whatever i want but but our patriotism shouldn't be to a country with an imaginary border and i mean that to say the kingdom of god is our country 
Uh, so I'm so glad you said this because we've had this conversation off the podcast more than once. Yes. I had this uh, – you were at this point already before we ever even met. But I came to this point just several years ago of conviction, really, of um, am I as patriotic – using that term, not chauvinistic. The way people mean it. Right. Am I as patriotic for my citizenship in heaven or in eternity or with God? As I am with my patriot, how patriotic I am about living in the United States of America. And the answer, if I was honest at that point in time, was absolutely not. It's a good question to ask yourself. I was far more American mm. than I was Christian. Mm. I was far more passionate about what it meant to be an American and making sure people identified me that way wow. than I was passionate about people identifying me as a citizen of God's kingdom. And I can tell you that while I had that revelation and made a commitment to be different, I often still stink at it. Um, But unfortunately, in the American church generally, and I'm not saying the church you go to, listener, I'm not even saying you, but if we step back and we're honest, in the American church, our nationalism and our faith have merged into one thing. To be Christian is to be pro-America. In a lot of churches, it's to be Republican or or maybe Libertarian, maybe, I don't know, depends, but at least conservative and to be against these things and for these things and pro-America. Religious right is the... Yes, term. fine, whatever. But here's the truth. Um, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. <gasps> if it were, I just read this the other day. He said, if it were, my disciples would something by force. I don't remember. He's talking to Pilate. Pilate's like, are you a king? And Jesus is like, you said I was. Mm. And he goes, uh, are you looking to overthrow? Whatever. But Jesus is like, my kingdom's not of this world. And if we are in Christ, we are citizenship, or we are citizens of a kingdom, not of this world. We are foreigners. Mm-hmm. We are aliens. Yes. I cannot. Some people want to take this and then use it to build some sort of immigration policy. No, don't bend it. It's not there. It's me. I, I've been on this kick for the better part of six months of we so quickly want to apply what we think about faith to everybody else. And we fail to stop and think about how it applies to us. And I have got to be more patriotic and more identified with my citizenship in the kingdom of God than I do with my citizenship in the country I was born in. Here, here. Because we are born... Again? Again. We are born new. It is a new birth into a new citizenship, a new family, a new kingdom. We have got to stop living like the old man. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. If that rubbed you the wrong way, hold on to your whatever you're holding on to, seat or hat or bar stool, uh, airplane seat. I know some of you like to listen to us on airplanes. Um, So Luke, uh, we've been working our way through Luke. We've done 21 chapters so far. We are in Luke 22, and I think it's been a little bit since we recorded the last episode, but I think I mentioned that Luke was going to start to turn a corner. You warned us. It has been the life and the ministry of Jesus, and if you're in the NIV, which is what we're usually in, um, uh, NIV's got these neat little headings above each section. You're going to see if you're opened up into a Bible or an app or something, At this point, you're going to see that it starts to turn a corner in the Jesus story. And it opens with this. Verse 1 of Luke 22. Now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. 
The chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of him. No, no, no. The people. They were afraid of the people. Because the people were totally into this Jesus dude. Uh, if you guys remember from, it might have even been the last episode or the episode before where they keep trying to trick Jesus. I think it was a couple episodes ago. Um, he keeps just smacking him down and the people are like, yeah, Jesus showed him. He knows what he's doing. Um, so the people were really on Jesus' side. So verse 3. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and they agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. What's this mean, Satan entered Judas? Oh, why'd you have to do that? Because that is the thing out of this whole thing I'm most curious about. <laughs> God sent an evil spirit to torment Saul? T- tormenting is a thing. God sent a... a evil spirit. Chaotic. Evil spirit. Fine. What, what, the, I, you know I don't you like this verse. Funny. I don't like this verse. I know you don't like it, but... but so I don't word, like this one either. the word translated as evil spirit in that... that that's King James. Okay. I think says evil spirit. Yeah. Yeah. But that word means also chaotic. chaotic. or unclean even. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, and it probably actually doesn't make it sound any better no matter what you put. Nope, because we know bad. that God is not the author of chaos. Or evil. Or, yeah. So, or unclean. So uh, that's a, there's a big question mark there. But okay, good. Is, do I just have to have another big question mark here? No, um, no. I, the, only, the only thing, and this is a cop-out. It's a cop-out. I like that you know it is before you say it. The only way I can explain this is this is pre-crucifixion, pre-resurrection, pre-ascension, which means what did Judas not have? The Holy Spirit. Aha. Because where God is, Satan cannot be. Okay. If as a believer, because the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God dwells in us, my understanding or my theology says Satan cannot enter us. I feel like that's good theology. Okay, so therefore Judas did not have that. Man. It's not really his fault, per se. We're not getting into fault here. It's his fault he went looking for a way. Hey, uh, what's the go and raid for uh, Jesus' betrayal? Eh, it's 25 pieces of silver. 30 or I'm walking. 30 it is, sir. It's not in here. It's in one of the other books. 30 pieces of silver was his price. No, but this says that Satan entered Judas before he went looking for the... Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I don't know. But but you say not the his... The Judas story doesn't end well. I know it doesn't. You said not his fault. I don't know. And I I want so much to think that, that it that wasn't his fault. Um, there's a great movie that... I can't recommend to anyone. Um, <laughs> I have some of these movies. The Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's uh, considered highly controversial, and it opened my eyes to some things that I had struggled with for a long time, uh, trying to understand some of the gospel, uh, not the gospel story, but some of the stories in the gospels. And it was just so odd for a secular movie to... Uh, give a non-scriptural answer for something that I went, that's completely it. That's it. That's actually... That's the answer. That's, the, that's it. We've that's tried to over-spiritualize things is what you're saying? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, mean, I agree. I mean, it often. Happens. I should say often, but yeah. yes. But it, in this, I I want... I, the reason I brought that movie up is because they... Uh, Judas uh, comes to Jesus at one point. He goes, I, I did my part. I betrayed you. And it's a... It's definitely... It's not from any of the Gospels. Don't look for that there. It's not there. Um, but 
he he doesn't make it to the third day. I don't think he's he, he he's acknowledging in the movie the character Judas is acknowledging that he did what he was supposed to do, and now Jesus is supposed to do what he's supposed to do, and that's go die on the cross and then resurrect and save all the uh, souls. Oh yeah, go ahead. But and and I thought and in watching it there, I go, ooh, that's a that's a little. I have to think about that more, and I can't resolve that with scripture that that, that because Jesus says. Um, is it Jesus says? I think Jesus said that it'd be worse for Jesus. Uh, excuse me, worse for Judas. What he did is the worst thing that could he could have done. It'd be better better if he'd never been born. Is what the Bible says it somewhere. <laughs> I think Judas it, should, yeah. should never. He would have chosen never be born rather than what punishment awaits for betraying the Son of God. Yeah. So, so I can't go with the not Judas's fault, but I want to be. But then. But then, like you said, like how could he have stopped him? But I don't know. Does Satan just go wherever he wants? This is a tough one for me, man. It's a struggle, and we've talked about this in relation to, particularly in ancient Christianity, older, ancient, older, older, fifty years or more. Uh, <laughs> Christianity, and in, in like particularly from like the second to the fifth or sixth century, okay, was maybe even all the way into the the Middle Ages was uh, fairly anti-Semitic. It was anti-Jew. Mm-hmm. The Jews killed our Savior. Uh, to heck with them Jews. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there are even, uh, I've heard stories, not happened to me, but I've heard stories of Christians now who interact with Jews, and Jews are like, oh, you must not like me because we killed your Savior. Sure. Uh, he had to be killed. It's nobody's fault. If it's anybody's fault, it's my fault for sinning to where he needed to be killed as a sacrifice for sin. But to blame the Jews or to blame the Romans or even to blame Judas, I struggle with. It had to happen. I get that. It's not the it's not the point who I agree. Who killed him. Yep. Yep. There's no he had to. It was to fulfill all righteousness. It, it had to happen. Yeah, we we talked about the uh This was God's plan. The eternal perspective, again, that phrase and borrowing again. But where Jesus needed to die so that he could conquer death so that we would have hope. Yeah. And so in a way, we can be thankful. No crucifixion means no sacrifice for sins. Right. No resurrection, no defeat of death. Correct. All had to happen. So, so in a way, we can be thankful for whoever ultimately killed Jesus because that means we get big-time inheritance. Yeah. And he gets, and he's still alive. I mean, that's yeah, the, yeah that's the other. It's, it's not like, yeah, he's dead. We get, to, we inherited every all this stuff. It's yeah, he's back from the dead. <laughs> he lives with us, and we get all of his yeah blessings. Spoiler alert: uh, he resurrects. Yeah, sorry, I don't. We're, that's a few episodes. Should I not away. brought that up? It's okay. That's fine. Now we're just we're done with Luke. Forget it. No, I'm <laughs> I spoiled the, the end of Luke. Um, I don't want to gloss over this, but uh, did my explanation answer your question at least semi sufficiently? You you talked about it. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, here we go. Here's here's where uh, we'll see where it goes. Verse seven. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Yeah. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, "Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover." Well, where do you want us to prepare it? Prepare for it? They asked. He replied, "As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you." Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, 
Where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, and make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. This is another one of those cases where they have no idea what he's talking about, right? And they say nothing. <laughs> like, I, I, oh man, I've been really looking to pass forward to Passover. Uh, us too, Jesus, like best time of the year. Yeah, but this is my last one until I suffer. Uh, us too, cool. Uh, where's the bitter herbs? Let's uh, Let's get her done. Like, it's just so weird. Like, and we've talked about this before, you and I. You'd have been the type to go... What, do you, what was that? Well, suffer. Well, suffer. What about what? What do you got to suffer for? Whereas I'd be like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> nod. Uh, nod. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what you just said, but we're gonna, I'm going to act like it because I'm tired of asking. What, at what point is it just... Like the third time you've said what when you didn't hear somebody right, is it okay to just smile and nod? <laughs> uh, sure. Because usually about the third one, I'm like, oh, ha, yeah. Uh, no, no, I'll pretend I got it that time. <laughs> what I don't have a really good answer for because I really prepped to go somewhere else with this is verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat it again, meaning, oh, no, I get it now. Sorry, it took me a minute. Meaning the Passover. I will not eat the Passover again until the Passover, until it, until the Passover finds, finds fulfillment. fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus being the Passover lamb sacrificed to prevent death. Uh, thank you for that. That's there good. We go. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink, from, uh, drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to keep going. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Still nobody's asking any questions. (laughs) But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man that betrays him. There's your thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm laughing at the, the next part where suddenly they start They start. They fighting. question among themselves which of them it might be and who would do this. Not what did he just say, but somebody's going to betray Jesus. Which one is it? Is it me? Is it you? Thomas doubts everything. It has to be him. No, I don't know. Uh, that's not what I want to focus on. Uh, Orion, do you have any guess on where I want to go with this and why I said this episode would be controversial? Um, uh, is it a Eucharistic? Uh, yeah, I have a strong opinions about the the communion. Do tell. Uh, you know them. I know them. Okay, so we can just go on. Well, not everyone knows them. So I'll tell this story. I was at a different church this last Sunday than the one I normally attend. I won't call them out. I won't name any names. I won't even say where it was or who took me there. I was at a different church. And it... It was uh, communion, and they're passing out the ele- or getting ready to pass out the elements. And a guy comes up and he kind of goes, "Okay, this is the Sunday where we take communion, and what this is is a representation of the body and the blood of Jesus. And so we're going to take a little time um, and play some music and have a time of prayer, so that uh, you have a chance to do a little bit of uh, repenting um, for anything that might have uh, gone on in your life since the last time we took communion." 
However, if you're here this morning and you uh, aren't a believer or you're not uh, ready to repent, we're going to ask that you let the bread and the drink pass you by and please don't partake. And I went (gasps) out loud uh, in the back of the church where only two people knew who I was uh, because I don't agree with this. Sure. Uh, several years ago at the church I was attending at the time, which just happens to be the church I was attending now, the pastor says to me, hey, we'd like to get you more involved. How'd you like to do communion when we do it once a month? And I was like, okay. He goes, uh, we don't really have a problem with non-believers taking communion here, but you look at the scripture and see what you think and whatever you come, you know, let's talk about it. But that's where we stand. So I was like, I was always raised, if you're not a believer, you don't take it. And Same. if you're, you're not in repentance, yes. if you're a little sideways... Don't take it. You, you better be walking right for this stuff to hit you. So uh, otherwise, here's, yeah, the impurity and all that. Yeah. I can remember, especially as a young person, communion time, uh, they s- give the spiel, turn on the spooky music, dim the lights, and start handing out the elements. And I'm like, I got 31 days of repenting to do. Sure. Quick before the bread and the juice get here. Or the cracker and the juice. Or the bread and the wine. However your church does it. I hope I'm good. I'm ho- Saltines I hope I'm good. and Welch's. <laughs> Whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. We're not about that yet. We can talk about that if you want. But I'm always like, I got to get it all. And I'll take the bread and the juice because I'm sitting up to the front. And by the time they get all the way done with everybody, I should be able to get everything. I hope I got everything. And I got to my cynical teenage years. And I'm like, Jesus, just forgive me for everything. I can't even remember what it all is. Mm -hmm. Which is probably good enough. That actually sounds like good theology. It's fine. But (laughs) here's my point. I don't think it works. Um, people like to use the passage from first Corinthians that says anyone who eats or drinks this in an unworthy manner, eats or drinks judgment on themselves. Sounds pretty heavy, Peter. So here was the conclusion I came to one non-believers taking communion. Let's separate that from believers, not in repentance, non-believers taking communion. Uh, they're not eating or drinking judgment on themselves. Can I prove it in scripture? I found a new scripture to this this week. Nice. Good for you. I, I found it uh, yesterday. Is it the uh, the one who does not believe is already condemned? Yes. Yay. Yeah, John 3, 18. No, I was in Luke. I'm a Luke 3, 18. No, John 3, 18. Some of you are already there. Um, it says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe stands condemned already Already. because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Crackers and juice, bread and juice, bread and wine cannot condemn you to hell as a non-believer. It's not like if you're an unbeliever, you took communion at a church as an unbeliever, and several years later you get saved. You go, Lord, forgive me all my sins. I dedicate my life to you. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Cracker and grape juice three years ago, you're condemned. I remember What? A non-believer who takes communion in unbelief does not bring any more judgment on themselves than the judgment they're already facing as an unbeliever. Stop. And and that, I know you got another point, but it's just so funny to me that, that I, you, we, anyone, anyone, it's the most ridiculous thing to think that taking communion when you are a non-believer, yeah, is that's what condemns you. Like, are we missing the whole point of the need for Jesus in the first place? Right. I mean, really, ask yourself that if you if this is what you think. Because like, I'm like ashamed that I ever thought that this was good theology. And so, yeah, that let's just let's just say a, 
guy's Muslim. He's got a hankering for a snack. And he goes to the grocery store. For us, it's like Safeway or Grocery Outlet or whatever. And he's like, oh, you know what sounds really good right now? Saltines and Welch's. Yes, he's a sociopath at that point because who wants that for a snack? It doesn't even sound good. But let's just say he wants it. This is what we serve. And he goes home. And he's like, oh, man, I'm going to watch a little football and have saltines and grape juice. Has he condemned himself? I don't know if this is a communion meal, Peter. <laughs> it's the same stuff we used uh, this last Sunday where I was at. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. I saw the saltines and the welches but in the back room. I, I got to say, there's there's got to be something to the do this in remembrance of me. Okay, so you're getting part. ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> you're getting ahead of me. A non-believer who doesn't recognize it as a representation of the body and blood of Jesus. That's all they are, sitting in a church service, taking crackers and juice. Someone handed them a really crummy snack. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the body and blood of Jesus is crummy. I'm just saying as a snack, well, we as an unbeliever, it's a crummy snack. Um, that, it's just, they've just had crackers and grape juice. They haven't suddenly given themselves a second level of hell. They haven't done anything. They just aren't observing what we're observing. Set that so we've agreed then that a non-believer taking communion isn't bringing any new condemnation on themselves. Right. Separation from God is enough condemnation. Sounds like it. It's enough. Like is all the condemnation you would ever need. I think it's all the condemnation. Okay. So now let's go to the believer who maybe is in repentance but forgot something. Okay. Or maybe is just struggling in their walk. They're actively struggling. You gonna hit me with another verse? Probably not. Okay. More of an idea that's covered along many verses. Let's just go back to Luke 22. Let's do Luke 22, 19. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why was his body given for us? Oh, because of our sin. Because of our need for a savior. Because we weren't good enough. Well, nothing, none of our sacrifices up to that point were. So, and we weren't. So then once a month or once a week or however often you're doing it at your church, you're saying to a congregation full of people who've accepted the sacrifice of Jesus that was necessary because they weren't good enough, that they better get good enough before they take crackers and juice? Oh, right. Yeah, that's a uh, catch-22 or something. What? Uh, yeah. The whole reason we need to remember that he did it is a remembrance of we were not good enough, therefore he substituted for us. Yes. The verse I read, uh, John 3.18, let's go one verse before it. John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yet once a month in most churches, we are bringing condemnation to people right before we take them to a remembrance of what Jesus did so that they no longer be condemned. How dare we? Like, I'm, I've, since I came to this, I have been so passionate about it because for so many years, uh, there were times in church services where I wrestled, do I take it, do I not? Mm-hmm. Am I in a place where I should or I shouldn't? We are to do this in remembrance of a Jesus who came because we were sinners. He sacrificed for our sin, and because he did it, sin and death no longer have power over us. And so we're going to go, well, because I sinned, I probably shouldn't remember that he died for my sins. (laughs) Get out. Shut up. Stop teaching this to people. It's wrong. I love that this is one of your your bullet points. You just hammer this. I love it. I'm 
It's so good. I, every time you talk about it, I feel like I, I'm already convinced. I love it. I love where you're at on this. Every time you talk about it, I feel like I get it even more. And it, it's even more disgraceful that... That uh, we do this to people. Still, in the, in the, the church you visited, yeah. is still doing it. There are yeah. churches still doing this thing. Super nice people. Yes. Great people who I'm sure love God. I'm sure. Junk theology there on that and point, And I'm missing this so bad. Is it okay to call someone's theology junk? Sure. It's junk. the Bible does I've, it. I've had junk theology. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this, a few episodes ago, we got to hear O'Ryan's, uh, I was going to call it a rant, but that's not fair, um, rant on forgiveness. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. On forgiveness. <laughs> your, your forgiveness, uh, us forgiving each other is a thing for you. You dug into this and we talked about it on the episode. Hardest thing in the world. Yeah, this is my thing. I understand. This is so my thing. I I, love it. I feel so strongly about it um, because Jesus came to set us free. And I want people to be set free from the biggest remembrance of Jesus that we have. And we're locking people up. Yeah, let's not throw the shackles on the people that Jesus set free. We're going to move on. And that's why I I said at the beginning that this episode might be controversial. I may have hit one of you where you've, that's been your theology your whole life. Non-believers can't take it. And uh, believers better be right. And I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Hopefully someone hearing that and your points has at least just the heart to go, uh, consider consider that maybe they've been mistaken on. I mean, and, on and if anything, you, anytime you hit a, a difficult subject like this, where people are pretty sure, pretty confident in it, uh, it's it's probably good to check and go. Is, is it make sense what they're saying? Do I have a good argument against this? Because in this case, I don't see an argument against what you're saying. And I'm open. If you've got something, please let it be scripturally based. I yes. want to hear about your traditions. Unfortunately, I just don't. Um, uh, but if you have scriptural basis, I'd love to hear it. I'm content to be wrong. It doesn't hurt my feelings, but it's got to be biblical. Everywhere I turn in scripture, it points me back to this. Uh, it same. just does. Okay. Uh, we didn't even talk about the doctrine of uh, uh, transubstantiation. I know. That was good. <laughs> oh, should we move past it? Good for it? us. Okay, here we go. Anybody know? Is it, should we? No. I don't know. Okay, I don't think so. It'll come up again sometime. Okay. We'll hit it then. Somebody's going to send us an email. What is the doctrine of transubstantiation? (laughs) It just says this, that at the time of the blessing of the elements, they literally become the flesh and blood of Jesus. No. (laughs) Hey, hey, you just told the entire Catholic faith they're wrong. They're wrong. Okay. As well as some Orthodox faiths. Is it... um, I was talking with my wife about this. You sent me a really funny image of a conversation that maybe took place on the internet about, oh that was laughs about how many if how many communion meals does it take to consume one jesus 550 years i think that was it with that many worth of weeks yeah. uh or that might have been days anyway it was it was really funny but the uh but because of the idea that that consuming bread and wine or juice becomes a miracle in your body that becomes literally the body and bread of Jesus is funny. It's because it's funny because that's funny. And yes. if we if we take it to mean that literally, at what point is it after it passes the tongue? Is it when it's digesting in the belly? I mean, cuz you can actually do DNA testing and you know, on someone's excrement and find that they did not eat a, a person. Truth, living or dead. Like Truth. there's no person consumed. So I mean, maybe before science caught up, 
this would have been an okay argument because, you know, hey, it can't prove me wrong. But anyway, it's wrong. The simplest one is because the argument is, is Jesus quote says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. But right before that, it says and he took bread. Yeah. It, it was bread. The Bible says it's bread. There's a point where Jesus says, you brood of vipers. Yeah, they don't. Were they miraculously become... all of a sudden a brood of vipers? That would have been cool. Would have been cool. Didn't happen. Okay. It's like uh, allegorical language, metaphorical speech, you might call it. Okay. Symbolic. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm good with it. I think most people are okay with this, except for there's a, for some reason, some people insist that this must mean, and I'm getting me worked up. Sorry, I think man. it's one of the goofiest things. It's it's one of the goofiest things. It doesn't need to be. I mean, if you want to believe it, like, because it's maybe like, ah, it means something special to me to believe that or whatever. It's like, that can be just kind of a cute doctrine that you think or whatever, but but it really, don't teach it. Nope. Don't yeah, tell yeah. other people that's a fact. Should we talk about infant baptism too, or should we move on? Yeah, can move Let's on. move on. <laughs> Verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest yeah well because the previous argument was well who's going to betray you right. well not me i'm the best <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> i'm at least in the top five thomas is like do i get top 10 i don't know why i always pick on him or thomas john actually picks on him a lot maybe one of these days we'll do john and you'll see it okay there's instances in the gospels where it says one of his disciples said and it's something stupid in john's gospel it goes thomas said something stupid I think John didn't like Thomas very much, but it's just a theory I'm working on. It doesn't matter. Verse 25, Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you're not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Hmm. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom. Oh, man, we're just talking about this. Just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That is such a heavy statement. I don't know if I've ever seen that. That is such a heavy dose right there for these guys to hear. I mean, if they weren't... They, they were already gonna, ignoring things. They weren't going to understand this other stuff he said, but then, like, do you think he just added this because they were all just zoning out? And he Could just, be. Like, he just yeah. heaped on this, like, there's no way they could grasp this. You understand there's two different types of listening? Active and passive. Yeah, that's not what I was going for. I'm but right. Yeah, they, are, they are correct. <laughs> but there's, there's listening to understand... And there's listening to respond. Okay. Right? One thing you're listening to understand what the person is saying. I can't tell what you're saying because I'm, I'm waiting for my opportunity to speak. <laughs> you're listening to respond. <laughs> I almost think that's what was happening here where they're arguing about who's the greatest and Jesus starts talking and they're just waiting to hear a name. <laughs> like that's all they're listening for. Do you say John? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. He said 12 tribes. Yeah. Like I, that, I almost feel like that's what's happening here is sometimes... Um, I have one of my kids whom I adore all of my children, but she will ask me if she can do something. Like, can I go to this person's house and do this thing? And I will go, uh, what is this thing, that thing, or what's this detail? And she will answer a different question. 
She will answer the question she wishes I would have asked to avoid answering the question I actually asked. Mm. And it drives me insane. I will respond with, answer the question I asked, please. Dad, I said, that's not what I asked. And it's almost this. We're like, they're like, who's the greatest? And Jesus is like, you got to be the least. And they're like, that doesn't answer the question. I'm, I'm waiting for the answer to the question I asked. Um, what does it mean that they're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel? I hope you're not asking me. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you knew because I don't have a clue. I don't know. Will we know? Yes. All right. Do we know? Nope. Um, I have looked into this. No good answers. There's a... Oh, man. Why'd that hit me? You, you may be aware that recently I've been... I don't know where... Some of our conversation... I'm like spazzing right now in my head. I'm like all over the place. The, um, the whole notion... Because we've talked... Everyone knows we're Gentiles, right? Gentiles. Yeah. <laughs> Gentiles here. Uh, we've talked before on this podcast, elsewhere, about that we, as Gentiles, through Christ, are spiritual Israel. Yeah. And grafted th- in. Yes, grafted into this tree. And uh, old branch that was uh, disobedient, cut off, burned and fired. Cut off. Yeah, thrown away. Rubbish. And then new branch grafted in. New branch grafted in doesn't mean uh, only Gentiles are saved. No. It means Gentiles also can be saved. Those of the Jewish, the tr- 12 tribes, of the, uh, l- the literal lineage, the physical genealogical lineage of Jacob, Israel, the- they never were cut off the tree. They're still on the tree. They're still a branch on the tree. The one that was cut off was the disobedient uh, children of Israel. Yep. Not atheists, unbelievers, pagans. They were never on the tree at all. Right. So the tree thing's pretty, we're pretty clear on the tree, right? So far. But, but only recently has 13 it become, branches? Come on. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> only recently has this become a really profound miracle that, that I'm just like, I get to partake of this. As a Gentile, um, I mentioned at church... Uh, uh, I led worship this past Sunday. And in that time, I we did a song that has a reference to uh, O God of Jacob. And I wanted to explain what that means because as Gentiles, we, we okay, God of Jacob? Well, you know, He's my God. Well, who's Jacob? Like, Jacob's what's that the guy that lives two houses, two houses down and doesn't take his garbage cans in. Yeah, I'm not interested in right. God of Jacob. We, we kind of, we, we don't understand, so we, we don't embrace it. But then we, when I stopped and tried to get everyone to understand, um, as Gentiles, Jacob or Israel is our spiritual forefather in the same magnitude, the same reality that he was the forefather of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. That he fathered those, those tribes genealogically. He fathered the tribe, the one Israel, spiritual Israel, spiritually. And I am part of that and so this has become like a a present miracle that i'm just kind of enjoying lately like uh, oh wow like uh i'm you know jacob was my father yeah (laughs) like it's becoming real abraham was my father you know like those are the heroes of the jewish faith but more they're heroes of the christian faith yeah yeah absolutely Uh, i think we covered it although i don't think we did it real good justice back when we did romans 
like episode five, six, maybe even four, right in there. Yeah, because it, it mentions it mentions Abraham. Abraham and Abraham being our father, our right. spiritual father, because we're grafted in. It's, and, and, and it came up a little bit, but yeah, but I don't. So probably since then, to the, from that point to now, it's God's been working on me periodically and growing my understanding, and it's just been a really interesting thing because, like, it, you know, you ever you ever not feeling like you need to grow and then you end up growing. Uh, oh man i know you've done it oh but this thing about judging the 12 tribes of israel he's saying this to these guys they're all jews there were 12 of them uh sure but but everything he's saying applies to us and if you think of the 12 tribes of israel spiritual israel now we're not talking about jews who are not christian today we're talking about spiritual israel the church of Christ, the body of Christ. If uh, what does Paul say, we're supposed to judge not, uh, those inside the church, not those outside the church. Right. So this is talking maybe about even how those of us who uh, who have a relationship with Christ are going to judge the mightiest group of people in the universe, the church. I don't know. Maybe the church. Heavy stuff, yeah. man. I, I'd love that he drops this on them just casually at dinner time. Uh, <laughs> now that we've had all of that stuff, he didn't understand. Take this, and then uh, uh, the other gospels handle this transition really well. Luke doesn't. He just turns to Peter, calls him by his original name, his OG name, and um, says one of the hardest things I think it could be to hear, especially out of the mouth of Jesus. Uh, it's verse 30, excuse me, 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. How? How? And the crazy thing is, is like we know... Um, uh no, it's gonna it's gonna be in this passage. Jesus goes, I prayed for you, it's verse 32, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back. Yeah, it's it's so prophetic it hurts. Like you're going to blow it. You're going to turn away. But when you turn back, come strengthen your brothers. Ah oh, man, ooh, I get chills. Mm. It hurts my feelings. But he replied, verse 33, Lord, I, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus goes, nah, bro. Oh, that's not what he says. Sorry. He says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. You will deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Just don't cut anybody's ear off with it. Sorry, I didn't say that. Just Mm -hmm. kidding. It is written... And he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yet what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. And it's crazy because that verse is Isaiah 53, 12. And it is written, and he was numbered with with the transgressors. Because we've been, Orion and I have been going through a study with, uh, at our church um, through Isaiah. And we're in that second half of Isaiah, which is, so messianic and we've been talking a lot about how do jews interpret these passages 
and this is and there's a lot of dismissing that they do um and other people do as well of like yeah it's a little bit of a stretch to say that's about jesus but here's a passage in isaiah where jesus goes this is this is me right here uh this verse because Paul does it in some of the epistles and it's even done in Acts and some other places where they reference Isaiah about Jesus. Even in the Gospels, the Gospel writers go, this passage in Isaiah was about Jesus. But this is a rare instance where Jesus goes, right here. It says that I have to be numbered with the transgressors. It's him going, I have to take all the sins. Mm. It's what's going to happen. And he goes, I'll tell you, it's got to be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. And one of the disciples, it's probably Thomas. There you go. We'll see if John calls him out in John's gospel. But one of the disciples goes, Lord, here's two swords. And Jesus goes, that's enough. That's enough. (laughs) Two will do. (laughs) Just don't give one to Peter. Oh, wait. That's Uh, one of my favorite. We're almost, oh, we're not even close to done with this chapter. I was going to see what you thought of that. I, I think we should probably... Go halfers. Pause it here. Dutch, go Dutch on this one. Yeah, let's. I think this is a really great place to end it because um, we can we can move in the next episode into the Mount of Olives and the arrest and whatnot and tie that all together. I'd hate to go to Mount of Olives and then bail right before the arrest. Although, isn't that how they do it on Netflix? They're like, <gasps> Ooh, yes. Tune in next. So you time. keep them coming back. Yeah. And then we got to come in and for the first fifteen minutes of the episode, we have to previously on more than hearers. <laughs> like splice in some clips. We should do this. I'm just kidding. That'd be a good. Sh- Let's not I mean, do it. That'd be inter- interesting. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. That's okay. why we're we not have a hard time it. publishing episodes as it is. True that. Sorry, man. Um, this is the pinnacle of the Bible. This is the pivotal moment of all Scripture, of everything from Genesis to Luke 21 is leading to this. It's this buildup of here's where the whole world is going to get turned on its head. Jesus on a cross with the sins of all men, things that were prophesied about hundreds of years before. And it's the reconciliation of our souls so we can eat crackers and drink grape juice.